Payments Podcast from Bottomline Technologies. Hello and welcome to the Payments Podcast. My name is John Gaffney. I'll be your host today for our episode on the changing scene in a region that has 28 countries and more than a dozen different currencies. According to a recent McKinsey report, the region is also the largest contributor to global payments revenue, generating over $900 billion in 2019, nearly half the global total. The role of payments in the Asia-Pacific region's overall banking landscape has expanded as well, now representing 44% of aggregate banking revenues, compared with just a third as recently as 2007. The region will exceed $1 trillion in annual revenue this year and next year. It is a region that has been well ahead of the curve in terms of consumer digital payments, and the past few years have seen a revolution on business payments as well. We're talking about a region that's heavy on diversity and traveling at a speed and scale that make it a dynamic region for digitization of payments. To discuss the issues and dynamics that define this region, I am joined by my friend Ellie Shoshani, who heads up the APAC region for Bottom Line. Ellie, thank you for joining us and welcome. Thank you, John. Uh, I'd like to start out with what has been one of the region's strong suits, which is instant payments. Now, in APAC, emerging technologies coupled with the pandemic have accelerated digital adoption, uh, leading to some astounding usage numbers. 41 million instant payments in India in 2020, 38 million in China. Um, That strength now is helped by a new messaging standard, ISO 20022. That will improve data, efficiency, and security. Ellie, my question to you is, what are some of the issues that are specific to APAC and ISO messaging? Okay, John, we have to understand that uh, in today, um, on the market that we're having, and as you mentioned, is a very dynamic one. Bank and financial institutions needs to get to move and to migrate and also to remain competitive. ISO 20022, is deployment uh, transformation for them. The universal rollout of uh, that leads and enhance and centralize between countries and industry is a migration to messages in standards. So you have to use it as a standards to all if we want to communicate and to actually transform money between different countries and do it in a high volume of the course water payments. Many countries in Asia have their own domestic instant payment schemes and infrastructures, and they are processing billions of them on a daily, daily, daily thing that they want to do. However, there is still a huge amount that needs to be improved between countries. And when we're talking about trying to work between different countries, we need to have one common language, one common standards. And ISO 2022 will be the one that actually will help them to communicate it and allow them to processing the instant cross-border payments where they are. So try to imagine that in Asia, as you mentioned, there is too many different currency, too many different languages. We need to bring all of them into one common. And ISO 2022 is the one that will bring them into one single platform to talk about it. So if there's changes in cross-border payments, Ali, so many countries in the region, I mean, when we were talking about this earlier, I was just amazed at the complexities here. But 
with so many central banks involved as well, this is bound to be a complex issue. Um, could you kind of make sense of that for us? You know, today, uh, the environment, and especially uh, if we're talking about uh, banks and even consumers, right? Looking, they want instant payment immediately. People cannot be waiting to have a kind of uh, uh, waiting for 24 hours or three days until the payments will come uh, around, especially on the cross-border payments. And we need to use a kind of uh, an enhanced technology. And especially today, you know, after that we uh, experiencing COVID-19 in particular, we know that people are so far away. So we need to give them a platform that actually they can use a QR code, uh, contact lens payments, mobile wallet, or any instant payment for them to expect them to do immediately. And not just locally, not just uh, the faster payment that we know. And then, for example, we know in the UK faster payments, or we know in other countries, here we're talking about that to do cross-border payment instantly and the time things on the same times to be able to provide them all the information that's needed in order to be in compliances. If we talk, for, for example, the SWIFT GPI, or what we call SWIFT Global Payment Initiative, this is improve automatically how the things to do. It's, it's, it's like, you know, you had a package long on a DHL. In the past, um, when you send the payment, you didn't know where it's, where it's arrived, where it's stacks, whatever it is. With the SWIFT GPI, we know exactly when is the message left the banks, where the message is, where things we can do, and we actually be able to make a payment within 30 minutes, not in two days. So about 40% of today, cross-border payments can be done in 30 minutes. And if we're talking about it's how bottom lines is uh, capitalized about these ones. So bottom line news in 2021, uh, we use our API-based payments to do the tracking type of things. So we actually help banks and financial institutions to track the payments for where they do. But you know, um, despite of the significant improvement in cross-border payments, pain points remain and it's the landscape still fragmented country with the region, not all of them are in the same standards and we need to do it and everyone in to do it at his own pace. Country like Cambodia is different than country like Hong Kong, a different than country like Australia, Singapore, Malaysia, Thailand, and you name it, you know, there are quite a large numbers of uh, country in Southeast Asia as well as in Asia and APEC uh, itself. Yeah, it's it's it, it must be hard to uh, it must be hard to manage. It's it's amazing that uh, that we're actually making some progress here. Um, now, I also understand that there's collaborations within APAC that are forming to speed the momentum on on cross border payments and instant payments. And let me read you a quote, Ellie, uh, as a report from PwC said recently. The establishment of a common payment platform can provide tremendous value when applied in a regional context, as the digital payments in Southeast Asia is expected to reach an astonishing $1.5 trillion by 2030. So, you know, obviously China, India, Australia, Japan are the biggest players. Tell me about how some of these other markets are emerging um, and how they're working together, if you could. So we know that uh, quite of the largest country have been adopting the ISO 2022 as a domestic payment, as a faster payment in the country. And the try to leverage it is to do it within the region, how to be able to connect. 
So we start to see like Singapore connected into the Philippines or Singapore connected into Thailand using MAS, Money Authority of Singapore, connected to uh, a BOT with the Bank of Thailand. And they're using PayNow in Singapore or PromPay in Thailand. This is the two uh, infrastructures that's been used. And now you'll be able to move money on two different currency, Thai baht or Singapore dollars between those country using the platform of ISO 2022 in both of them instantly. Of course, there is a limitations of the amount of money that you can move, but you can do it within 15 seconds, move money now between country, not only within the country, also between the country. And we can see this is going to be among this also between uh, Singapore into India and Singapore into Australia, and in the future, we believe to see it more in Singapore with uh, uh, UK and other countries. So we will move from regional places into a global places, uh, global uh, transformation that we're going to do it in that ones. And all of it, John, cannot be done just uh, because of a decision of uh, of uh, money authority of each countries or central banks. This is needs to be done by using the same common language, same platforms, and the same messaging type. And ISO 2022 is the one that's needed. And we know that most of the country by November 2022 needs to finish and to be able to adopt and to receive most of the ISO 2022 platforms from MT to MX messages. This is a big push that's done by SWIFT. And this is how we move payment much faster. Globally. So let's talk. Let's. I'm sorry. I, let, let's let's talk a little bit uh, about some of the emerging markets in the region: Philippines, Cambodia, Vietnam, um, that are actually making a lot of progress in digital transformation. You know, as you alluded to, um, for example, what, one of the most cash-reliant countries in Southeast Asia, which is Vietnam, has seen one of the highest cashless payments adoption rates in the region. Does this surprise you? And how do you see some of these emerging markets progressing over the next couple of years? Cashless and paper money has started to be reducing dramatically, particularly in Southeast, in Asia. And more, you can see it more common in China. And you can see it in uh, Vietnam, as you mentioned. Paper money, as we know, as the regular type of things, we know that is a lot related to fraud, bribery, black money, unreported money, whatever it is. And we can see a decrease okay, of papers, money in those countries. The typical one, we can see what happened in the Olympic in China. China has been using the Olympic Games and the Winter Olympic Games, digital money. So we can see that more and more moving out. So in order for you to move to digital currency, in order for you to use the CBDCs type of things, you need to have a platform that allow you to do so. Okay. So the adaptations of cross-border payments on those markets, and this particular one is by using different types of platforms and we can see more and more moving into the digitals. So we can start to see that every central banks in different country are adopting more and more the, the CDBC. So that is the main things that we're coming up.
Let's talk about the biggest player we would be remiss not to. But, um, you know, China is, 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 uh, is already making some moves, as you alluded to, um, with digital currencies. What other moves do you see them making within the region? So we know we need to be a little bit more updated uh, right now. And uh, we ask ourselves, you know, with the world that we are facing right now between Russia and China and where SWIFT is blocking Russia, can they use China Synapse 3 as part of the alternative platform? And can we see it? So as we know, China have developed the Synapse 2, which means the Chinese networks, applications, services. And they actually, that's the one that's driving me internally, but they cannot use it globally. So it's not a replacement. China still needs to use SWIFT platforms. But on the same time, China is developing the Chinese uh, digital currency. And this is something that we saw it really adopting in the Olympic Games recently. And we can see it more and more driving it more in particularly uh, uh, in the country that will move into Hong Kong and will move into other countries in the, in the regions that we were pushing this uh, digital currency. And we know that the, the, the CNY is not a trading currency like the US dollars or the euro, but still is a major player in Southeast Asia. So we cannot ignore China and how what the moves they're doing. The technology that they're using is well, well, well adopted. The numbers of ATMs in China was reduced dramatically. The paper cash money has disappeared, almost disappeared in the country. Everything is digital. Everything is visible. And everything can actually can be traced by the government to do so. So you expect... China to make CBDCs their cross-border currency? Is that is that about right? Um, it's going to be a challenge at this point of time. Uh, but as you can see, they're forcing right now. And China is, is a big market. We're talking about 1.3 billion people yeah. live in China. So the domestic market is big enough for them to do it. Uh, I don't see it very quickly is because the still they rely on the US dollar and uh, and the euro. And I don't see it so quickly changing in it uh, unless uh, um, it will be an, an official currency to be trading off. So we, we've spent the last 10 minutes establishing the fact that this is a complex market. Um, so now I'm going to be unfair to you and ask you to try to sum up these dynamics in APAC. You know, if there, if there are three top issues... Uh, what would they be, and how does a company like Bottom Line play in the region? Let's start with this: is uh, what we started our discussions. Twenty-eight countries, multi-currencies that we have in these regions, different languages. There is nothing. It's not like uh, we have the eurozone that uh, so many countries using euros, all right? Except uh, Switzerland and uh, and uh, and the UK. This is, we're talking about different currency, as there isn't any dominate currency that does the region. So there is a challenge in here. The other stuff is, is, is how we make the whole uh, international payments and the network connecting them together and be able to do it. So we need to have a platforms and not only SWIFT. We also recently, uh, bottom line is playing very strongly with uh, Visa B2B 
with also another alternative to do it for a cross-border payment. And the reason that um, Visa is playing such a, a strong player in here is because of the fact that there's a lot of uh, what we call exotic currencies with the exchange rate. And also the less dependency on correspondent banks, because we're talking about in Asia for large amount of banks that rely on a lot of cross-border payments and depends on a lot of larger banks that will provide them for them the Nostro and the Vostra accounts that's needed. So this is another type of things. Let's put on top of it the central bank's uh, digital currencies. Banks are moving. There is another alternative for our money. And, and we can see it in every country they're building and digitize it. That is something that's definitely will become the stronger players. We saw it on the virtual currencies coming up and, uh, and the different uh, uh, Bitcoin ETRIMs and all the other stuff that's happening. And the government wants to have its own currency to be able to control it and monitor it as well. So we can see another players that's coming up. Bottom line is the one whose aggregators that taking all of this, what I just mentioned, and build it up in the platforms and be able to host it for them, to host it for the banks and be able to use all the relevant platforms in the world and definitely in our regions to be able to provide these kind of services using bottom line API, bottom line connectivity, bottom line secure payments. And you know, I'll, I will use the bottom line slogans. We will do it simple, we do it smart, and we do it a very secure for them to do it in our region and uh, where we are. All right, you made sense of it. That's a wrap. So I want to thank you, Ellie. Um, Ellie Shoshani reads the APAC, leads the APAC region for bottom line. Um, Ellie, thanks for your time. It's a, it's a tough job you have. <laughs> Definitely. And thank you, John, for giving me this time. Uh, tune in next time to the Payments Podcast, wherever you download your podcasts. Uh, and at this, uh, this episode was scoping the payment scene in APAC. And uh, I want to thank you for listening and see you next time. Podcast from Bottom Line Technologies.